Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. I'm your host, Andy Grant. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging you, yes you, to allow for and express and share all of your emotions, whatever they may be, good, happy, sad, indifferent, feel it all, express it all. You are worthy of being a human being and worthy of having and expressing all of your emotions. That's where we're coming from. This is a weekly program. We record live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are then syndicated to YouTube and SoundCloud, SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, I also want to tell you, you can join, um, wow, I am out of it tonight, fighting a cold. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at RealMenFeelOrg. You can become a fan of the show at Facebook.com slash RealMenFeelShow. The program is about 30 to 40 minutes each week. Your comments, feedback, and participation are always welcome live. <clears throat> you can join the live show each Tuesday at RealMenFeelOrg. Dot org slash show. You can subscribe to the podcast at realmenfeelshow.org. Realmenfeelshow. Wow. Realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. This is going to be a long night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> With me, thankfully, as always, is my friend and co-host, Alpio Hunter. Hey, Andy. This is going to be a fun evening, I think. <laughs> I think I should just mute myself now. Just, just call it a night. We shall... Plug on and uh, yeah, and just just even if you're feeling sick, even if you're not feeling quite up to to uh, your full manpower, um, you know, go for it. That's about yeah, it. yeah. We, we we you know we we just always roll with it anyway. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, and uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. This is someone that I've met um, recently in my life, and he had a, a big impact on it. Um, with us tonight is Dr. Michael Bilkis. He is a dermatologist, an interfaith minister, a magician, and also an active member of the Mankind Project. And uh, so, so welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be here, Andy and Apio. Great. And to let everyone know that um, I met Michael at the New Warrior Training Adventure Weekend that I did in October, and, and that we talked a lot about, um, it was episode number 32, if you're playing the backlog game and want to listen into that. But the New Warrior Training Adventure is a, a weekend, an intense weekend of discovery and personal growth and transformation put on by the Mankind Project. And during the, uh, the pinnacle of the weekend for me, um, Michael was, was kind of leading me through, through it. And um, all I really remember is that at one point you, you, you took my hand and you made me look in your face and you said, I just want you to know who you're with. I'm Bilkis. I'm like, Bilkis. That's all I remember. <laughs> like, I know you, I remember the steps and do that, but that's really the only sentence I remember, like, word for word. And, like, I don't know if that was part of training, just in your instinct, but I'm like, that really helped ground me. And it was just like, you know, you're like, I've got you, and we're going to get through this. And, and we did, and it was a fantastic experience. But that, that's where we first interacted. Uh, that was a beautiful moment. I don't remember it at all, <laughs> saying that to you. So it must have been a flash of inspirational brilliance. And um, it was a beautiful process. It was really beautiful to be a part of it and to be there with you during it. It really touched my heart in a big way. Cool, cool. Um, thank you so much. So now I know you can't have gotten that far as as a leader in that weekend with that have been in, being your first weekend at all. So... Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with, with the Mankind Project and, and being a staff member. Sure. My journey on the Mankind Project started about nine years ago when my wife was at a, her professional meeting and she met a man who's now my mentor. 
And he told her all about it. And she came back to me and said, you need to do this. She said, you always complain you have no male friends. Because uh, like you mentioned in one of your, uh, your previous episodes, you've been on a lot of weekends and not a lot of stuff. And it's almost all women. Yeah. So all the people I knew in all the spiritual circles were 90% women. She said, you need male friends, go do this. She didn't say you need this to get your life in order. She said, you need male friends. And so I hemmed and hawed and uh, the, uh, the men's circle met on a night. I work late and I said, well, this weekend is expensive. I'm not going to do it right now. So finally I said, okay, let me do this. So um, I changed my hours around. I was the boss at the time, so I could change my office hours. And I started going to the men's circle a few months before the warrior weekend. And I finally committed and I did the weekend in May, 2008. And it was an eye opener for me. It was uh, the most amazing experience. I think it was worth three to four to five times what I paid for it as far as its impact on my life. It was just amazing. Opened my heart. It taught me that, that uh, a man can cry and have tears pouring down his eyes and have other men applaud him for it. And, and, and that was such a valuable gift to me at the time. I, mean, I grew up learning that, uh, you know, don't cry, I'll give you a reason to cry. So mm -hmm. to have men standing there and supporting the tears was just so powerful. So you, you got a lot more out of it than, than just making some male friends. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that, that was a shocker. I had no idea what to expect on the weekend. And I, like I said, I've been sitting in circle with these men for, uh, for a couple of months and nobody said a word about it. So uh, it was quite an eye opener. And uh, since then, the, the bug bit me. I became very active doing with the administrative council, running the, uh, the training center in New Jersey. And I started staffing weekends. And the weekend that I staffed with you, Andy, was my 19th weekend on staff. Nice. 19th weekend. So, yeah. so it, has this become like, uh, I don't know, is it, is it, we're calling it a hobby, be right? Is it, does it, can it be, uh, is it a professional aspect or a, just a spiritual no, aspect of you know, no it's it's a funny thing we have the saying that just first staffing the first time you ever staff is even more powerful of a healing experience than actually participating in the weekend wow it's sort of getting to pull the curtain and seeing the great and powerful oz and what's going on on the other side and the remarkable thing is that being of service to other men being of service to you and the other men who were there is a very healing experience and growth opportunity for me and other men who choose to staff. And the thing that makes it special about the Mankind Project as a nonprofit organization, every staff man except for the three or four leaders, certified men, you know, we have a least small leader team, but the certified men get paid a small amount of money. It's pretty nominal. The rest of us all pay to be on staff. Wow. So we cover our expenses to be there, um, a little bit of money extra to help support the training center, and some money to help support the national organization. So it's all done out of love uh, for being of service. That's powerful. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, and it gets expensive because not only that, um, I've been uh, a leader in training and now I'm a co-leader candidate. Your weekend was the first weekend I staffed as a co-leader candidate, which is the one step below becoming a certified leader. And so we take on a lot of responsibility and we have to do a lot of leadership trainings to get here. We have uh, three or four leadership trainings, a multicultural training, and they're not sit 
and watch a seminar and hear somebody speak, just like the weekend, they're participatory. And we do our, what we call our work, meaning we touch a piece of uh, our wound with regard to that aspect of leadership and help to move through it to make us better leaders. So in, in chatting with you before the show, we uh, decided to call the show kind of discovering your soul mission. So is, is being a, a leader and healer among men kind of your soul mission? Or is it more, do you enjoy this work helping other men discover their soul mission? It's both end. Good. Both end. Um, my, my mission um, that I have been working on and, and um, wordsmithing and, and changing to find what really fit me since uh, the New Worry training in, in 2008 is that I create a magical world of joy and connection by touching my divine light and flowing with spirit. And so when I'm in a position that I could do that, then I'm truly feeling alive. And on a warrior weekend, I am very alive. It is just wonderful because when I know it's not me doing the work, when I can step out of my way and just let what flows flows, then uh, magic happens. And you experienced it on the weekend. Apio, you'll experience it one day, hopefully soon. Yes. And, uh, it's a real magic. It's a real magic. It's a real magic to be part of a staff too and seeing what happens with them as they move through the process too of the weekend. So Michael, I'm curious because prior to the show starting, we were talking a little bit about your background as an interfaith minister and you know, me having a couple of very dear friends who went to the same uh, seminary that you went to in New York and you know, knowing their background and knowing the training that they receive as interfaith ministers was, so my question is kind of twofold. First of all, how was that part of your, your journey of discovery? And secondly, how have you found that background and that training that you got at the seminary has helped, has helped, how's that, how has that helped you with the New Warrior Training Weekend? Right. Um, I've been searching for years and years and years, searching for healing, searching for God, searching for that, that magical aha moment that, um, that we're looking for in a spiritual journey. And so... I was working, taking a meditation class at the time, and the teacher comes in and she said, she's studying with this guy, Rabbi, Rabbi Joseph Gelberman, and that he's like ancient and he's amazing and we should, start, we should go and study with him until he's dead. So he was, so immediately her husband and I and one other man in our group, we all signed up for the class, the very next class that they had available because I wanted to meet this amazing man and, and continue searching. So it was a stepping stone. Um, it was an amazing experience to go through the seminary. It was a, it's been amazing to be able to be of service. And yet I found it was really the New Warrior training adventure that helped me open my heart wide enough that I could sit and be a better minister. And to me, ministering is about being able to hold space and hear another person without having to try to fix them. I was one of those typical men who tried to have to fix everything. I had to have an answer for everything. <laughs> and, uh, and I can't always do that. I can't do that as a doctor. I can't do that as a healer. Um, sometimes the best I can do is uh, listen to someone. Makes sense. That makes sense. I, I love that. And yeah, I can certainly see how everything kind of like blends together as you add your certain skills and certain, you know, um, knowledge to that it all seems to just grow and blend together over time 
it's uh, been quite a journey and it continues to continues to evolve. I continue to evolve and the more I'm healing, the more I'm, uh, I continue to push the limits. I love that. Thanks. What, what were the earliest things or even what were the earliest ages that you began your conscious search for, for something, for the meaning, the healing God? I would say, it's funny. I would say, um, I was around 31 ish, something along those lines. And I was studying martial art and our black belt came in and talked about a, fr a friend of his who was teaching a Reiki class. And he said, if you're going to learn to hurt people, you should learn to help people and balance it out. <laughs> and so I took this class on Reiki and I always joke with my friends that I was searching for real magic. I wanted to find that real magic existed somewhere. And that was the starting point. The fact that you could touch somebody and help them, uh, feel better and get better. That was an amazing thing. And the fact that it works over a long distance that I don't have to be in the same room as somebody. So, yeah. yeah, that's magic. That's magic. And so that's what I was searching for. Cool. And have you found more examples of magic since then? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And spiritual studies and, uh, in touching my heart, and opening it when I'm working with people in my office and other places, uh, there's a connection that happens that I haven't seen happening when I felt like I had to be the doctor. And, um, and sometimes it's just a reminder of myself, uh, just open my heart and hear the person's in pain. And then also there's a connection that forms part of my mission is to be connected and create connection. And so I, I find when I remind myself to keep my heart open, then even if a person is, uh, and I'll put this in quotes, being annoying, if I'm finding them annoying, it's really just triggering one of my wounds. Mm -hmm. We call that projection. So I keep a reminder on my, on my all my um, computer tables and all my and all the exam rooms. Uh, keep one of these there. It's a little stone. And when I walk in the room, I touch the stone, and it reminds me: just open your heart and keep my heart open uh, when I'm dealing with the next person. And it's, uh, it grounds me and, and just, to, like I said, a reminder to say, keep your heart open. And that's the real magic. Real magic is when two people can connect heart to heart and, and, some, and then healing occurs when that happens. Mm. Cool. So you've been able to, again, to bring your, your mission into more aspects of your life than, than only staffing mankind events. Oh, absolutely. Mission is, to me, mission is the North Star that I'm sailing my ship. And it's what's constantly guiding me. It has to be because we have a saying that the opposite of your golden mission of your soul's mission is your shadow's mission. The shadow is that part of myself that I hide, repress or deny. Jung talked about that. And so for me, it's usually the opposite of what your golden mission is. So to me, the shadow's mission is to create despair, disconnection by belittling you and making it all about me. So if I'm not following that and I'm not paying attention to when I'm, these things are coming up for me, then what happens is shadow starts to sneak in and says, aha, this person's being a little annoying. Let's really give them a zinger and push them down a couple of notches and make me look bigger. And uh, that's harmful. That's, I mean, I've done a lot of harm in life when I wasn't as aware of this. And so that's why it's so important to, to be aware of what my shadows are. And a good place to start is whenever somebody is emotionally triggering me, 
one of your viewers out there, someone's emotionally triggering you, you're getting annoyed, you're getting angry. Think of that as you're seeing an aspect of yourself. Right. And take a step back and say, okay, this person's being real prissy. What part of me is prissy in life? And you're going to find it because they say if you spot it, you got it. And it's very, very true. So reminding myself of the mission, carrying a little stone with me into, into each of the exam rooms is a way to remind me to stay with my golden mission and watch out for that shadow, which is going to come out and sneak up and grab me if I'm not looking. I'm trying to remember a movie that I saw. When you talk about it, you remember, it reminded me of a, of a short movie that I remember seeing. I think it was called The Moses Code or something along those lines. It talks about the, the name of, of God. I, you know, I am that I am, but what if there was a missed punctuation mark in there? I am that, comma, I am. Mm. When you talk about those triggers, you know, what, you know, what, when we see in ourselves what's triggering us, what's causing us to feel that discomfort and so forth, it really is a reflection of what we see in ourselves. It reminded me very much of that saying, of, of that perspective of I am that, I am. Yes, exactly. That's a good perspective looking at it. It's always, you know, how I judge you is a reflection of, of who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Truly beautiful. And I, one of the things that really struck me about, about your, your mission and how you incorporate joy, creating joy in that, I, part of my work that I do is, is talking about the principles of joy, sharing the principles of joy, teaching, you know, doing everything I can that it's centered on, on what I call the principles of joy. I would love to get your perspective, your insight as to how you define joy and how you share it, how you spread it, how you live it. Wow. <laughs> right. Hey. And, and, and what do we have 30 minutes to discuss this today? <laughs> right. 10 more minutes to go. Nah. All right. Good. Maybe, maybe we can take a commercial break and then I'll come back. <laughs> so, so, so Rabbi Gelbman used to teach an interesting thing. He used to talk, say, teach a difference between joy and happy. So joy is that inner sense of being connected to something greater than who I am. Mm. And when I'm connected to there, there's that sense of joy. I could be in pain. I could be, I could have won the lottery. I could get a raise at work. I could get fired, but I'm still alive. So to me, every day starts off with one of the most powerful prayers. And that's, thank you. Mm. You know, I'm awake. I'm out of bed. Thank you. Thank you that I've gotten another day to hug my children, hug my wife. Um, go to work and all that, but happy depends on events. Mm. So someone says, Hey, you're great. Thanks a lot. Or, uh, what, what a great smile or, or here, I'm going to give you a raise just cause you're a nice guy. And that's happy. That's an event. That's an external event. And external events don't happen every day that are, that are all good. But joy comes from that sense of you know what, this journey is all good and that I'm alive to experience it. You know, Buddha talked about suffering comes from wanting to have what you can't have and wanting to avoid what you can't avoid. So we may feel pain and we may suffer a little bit, but misery is optional. Misery is that choice. So it's the opposite of happy and joy. So I could say, yeah, I got to go to work. It's Monday, it's raining. All right, today's Tuesday, it was raining. And, and yeah, it's not pleasant. I got to drive in the rain, but if I get miserable about it, complain ruins my whole day. If I look at it and simply say, yeah, it's just tough, but 
hey, I'm alive to drive in the rain, then I'm in my joy. So that's sort of a way that I look at it. I'm sure it's a lot more complicated, but that's how I'm able to put it into words. <laughs> I really love that. That's, that's a beautiful expression. You know, that sounds very much what, what I call the second principle of joy, which is that our human experience is the ultimate expression of our personal joy, that we can't be separated from our feelings of joy because we're a literal physical representation of it. And when we're right. connected with it, it, it's always going to be there as opposed to those, the expressions of happiness, which I, I love how you, how you were able to really wrap that up. Good, good Twitter version. <laughs> well, that's great, but I don't, I don't participate with Twitter, so <laughs> I'll leave that one up for you. <laughs> I don't much either, but <laughs> good close notes. <laughs> So I'd, li I'd like to go back to, uh, you, you mentioned everyone has a shadow mission. Right. So, so if someone isn't aware of their soul mission, is that like a sign that they're operating on their shadow mission? Or could sometimes. you be aware of both? Yeah, sometimes. It's good to be aware of both. And, 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 and I've actually been told the distinction is shadows, like with an apostrophe S, shadows mission. And, and, and often, because like the shadow is the part of ourselves, as I said, that we're hiding, repressing, and denying. It's parts of ourselves that make us fully human, but at some point in our life, we were told it was wrong, it was bad. You know, don't be so angry, uh, don't be so assertive, or we've been wounded. Or it could be golden shadow, meaning something really good about myself. You know, don't always be showing everybody how smart you are. So now I feel it's not good to be smart. So I take my smart self and put it away in a box and I, and I keep my work just so I'm mediocre so I never seem to shine. Mm. So, so what happens is these things sneak around sideways and just want to come out. So that's what happens with like living one shadow's mission is because I'm not in my golden mission because I don't have a North Star to sail by. So I'm sailing in any way the wind blows and I don't know what direction I'm going. So if you're kind of, if you're not aware of your mission and, and focusing on it, you have the reminders that you have with, with the stones, it's that uh, you can kind of slip back into just the shadow work of it. Sure, sure, you can, particularly when, uh, I'm just gonna put this other earphone again, particularly when you're, uh, when you're stressed. You know, when everything's going great, it's really easy to be the, uh, the nice guy, the jovial guy, or, or the guy that everybody likes. You know, your friends all like you, you don't complain, your wife is okay because everything's going great. So that's not when the shadow sneaks in. It's when you start getting stressed, when you start to feel some pressure that all of a sudden these things start coming out. Um, for me, it was fear being suppressed and then coming out as anger. Hmm. So I would, get, I would get very defensive if I felt like I was being disrespected or I was being threatened, it would come out as anger and rage. And it would come out in ways that I'm not proud of, nor was I happy with the results after the fact. But it was like an automatic switch. So um, being able to heal some of those wounds and being aware of it so I know to say, this is what I need to work on. This is when I need to go into my men's circle, we call it an I group or integration group, and say, you know, help me or talk to, a spiritual healer and say, help me release some of these energy patterns has been a great boon in my life because I'm not as angry as I was. I don't go into rage automatically anymore. I could feel my, myself rising and often stop it. Not always, but 
I could stop it or I could stop it sooner than just losing control. So that's what that mission has helped point me in the direction to constantly to seek out healing and to keep working on those issues, those shadows. Would you call the stopping that rising anger, whatever, would you call it stopping it or would you call it converting it? So get a mm. sense that from the work that you do, that it might be more like a, a, a rechanneling or a redirection of, of... Well, it's redirecting the expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mad as hell. And let me take some breaths and how am I going to express that I'm mad without causing harm? Mm. Without causing harm. And, and I'm not there yet. I'm not yeah. there, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. <laughs> um, that's really important also for people to understand yeah. is that you know, you might see anyone in authority, you know, here I am, I'm a guest on your show. So I'm an authority, right? I'm a co-leader candidate in the Mankind Project, a minister, a, I was a professional magician. So, I mean, I got all these, these credentials, but I'm still a man. And we all have foibles. We all have wounds. And the amazing thing is no matter how many times I heal a certain aspect of my life, of my being, that, that problem can still be with me. So we still get triggered. Um, You know, my teacher calls it, you know, spiral. You know, life's like a spiral. I keep going around the circle, the the medicine wheel, and I come back to the same issue. But if I'm doing my personal work to heal, then I'm a little in a different position when I come around because I'm spiraling out into healing. Kind of like a a spiral up or a spiral down. Yeah, or a spiral just out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, circle, I come back to the same exact spot. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, that's if I'm not doing any work at all. So life mm-hmm. is going, you know, I, I, I yell at my wife, I yell at my kids, I yell at somebody who did something. And then everything's going great, growing great, going great, growing great. Oh, I got stressed again. And I'm starting yelling just the same way I did before because <laughs> I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. I'm blaming, I'm blaming everybody else for my issues and my anger and my problems. But if I'm doing my own personal work, so I'm doing the introspective work. I'm doing what we call the shadow work to, um, to help heal. I think of it as a switch points, reflex points in my body, sort of like a capacitor. So if I drain the charge off the capacitor, then um, when that situation comes up, it doesn't get me so charged up like it did before. So I'm able to say, oh, I'm getting angry. I yell about it. I said, no, 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 wait, I'm really sorry that I, that I let that out. Let me tell you that I'm angry because this is what's going on. And I'd like to see this. That's an ideal. That's the ideal for me. Or fear. So is, uh, oh, I totally lost my thought. I have cold head again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, then. Make so some tea. One, one thing I hear that you've said is um, the notion of asking for support and going to your eye group and, and asking and asking. And, and that's really something that growing up for me that, well, a man doesn't ask for help. A man doesn't seek support. Mm. So, I mean, one of the, the, my favorite things from, from my time at the new warrior training adventure was how many men were willing to ask. Yeah. were willing to, to drop the act that, no, no, I've got it all figured out. And, I'm seeing more men willing to say, no, that, that mass, that, that's a lie. That's bullshit. And willing to admit, like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Can you help me? It is so, so important. Um, it's taken me a long time to be able to show my vulnerability. 
what I keep learning is that as a leader, there's power in vulnerability. There's power in being vulnerable. Mm. And, and that takes a lot of personal work and growth work to be able to say, I feel safe showing my vulnerability, not because they are safe, but because I'm safe in myself. And uh, that's the work that I'm doing now. That's part of my work currently is, is, is creating that sense of safety in myself so that I can show my that I'm vulnerable in front of other men, in front of the staff, say on a new warrior training adventure or in my eye group or in some, some other place that I'm with, at. With friends, family, even in your authority figure as a doctor. Absolutely. Say. I have to be willing to be vulnerable, you know, to open my heart, to show that if a person's in tears that I can cry with them, I can be, I can be in empathy with them rather than put up this granite wall and, and not, and not be vulnerable. It's a hard thing. And it's a hard, um, to my mind, it's a hard line to walk, to be balanced, when to do that and when not. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really crucial in leadership. And that's why that's my current growth edge is to learn how to be vulnerable. So is, is everybody so missioned? Is, does everybody's mission include some aspect of a personal healing and, and growth? Um, the mission, um, is part mission starts as part of uh, one of the processes on the weekend. Um, I once heard a, a quote of one of our founders saying that if a man finds his mission on the weekend, he's gotten his money's worth. That 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 is so. That's the important thing on the weekend, and so it starts there. For me, it starts there, um, and it grows out of work that James Hillman did who um, has written quite a bit, and I, I can't quite remember what his um, credentials were. Um, he said that our soul mission, our, our mission grows out of what our deepest wound is as a child. Mm. So, so when, I, when, I, when I explore what was my deepest wound, uh, we call it, what is our little boy's deepest need? Mm. So when I learn my little boy's deepest need, and then I say, what does a world look like if that deepest need is met? Well, that's the vision. That's the vision part of the, of the mission statement that, that we do, at least in the Mankind Project, which is vision plus action equals mission. And then we say, well, what, what, do, what do people do to create that world? That's the action part. So a vision without action is daydreaming. And action without vision could be dangerous. Then you're going, like we talked about, you can go into shadow, you can go into gold, you could be neutral, you're sort of all over the place, like a pachinko pinball being knocked all over the place. Uh, but with the mission statement, you have a direction, and you know when you're heading in the other direction because you're going to shadow's mission. So it's learning to live in between and the paradox of both. And shadow isn't bad. That's the thing. My shadow isn't bad. It's a part of myself. My anger is okay. My fear is okay. Uh, the fact that I'm smart, you know, those are okay things. However, and they may always stay partly in shadow because of wounding, but I keep bringing them in front. I hold them in front of me and see it. And say, oh, that's that part of me that says I'm not good enough. Hello, part that I'm not good enough. I recognize you. And I understand that this is something that I need to pay more attention to because you're telling me to be afraid. So I bring that in front of me, and when I bring it in front of me, then I'm able to act on it rather than react. I get a choice, and that's what this is all about. 
is to create more space between action and reaction mm-hmm. so that I get a choice because that's all I get to do is choose what, what direction I want to go in. Very much an expansion of Viktor Frankl and, and his work of, of, you know, in men's search for meaning in his book, he talked about that choice between stimulus and, and action or reaction. There's always a choice. Yeah, I just bought his book uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's been on my list of things to read for, oh God, for as long as I could remember. And uh, I've been hesitant to want to climb into the discomfort of reading about the Holocaust. And so right. I finally broke down and I finally bought the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, my, I actually got it as a gift a number of years ago. And it was the most fascinating, fascinating read. And I, I loved it. And it just, there are parts of it that have just stuck with me. And that was one one part of it, that, that mm. discovery that he made, you know, going, yeah. going to very deep, deep depths. And then realizing there's always that moment of silence, that moment, that space. Right. Make that choice. Right. Yeah. So, Michael, if, if people are out there and they're just like not connecting with this idea of having a soul mission or don't feel like they have a path or a purpose. You know, what, what would you suggest as kind of a, some, some simple first steps for someone to investigate? Mm. Wow. Um, that's a big question. Um, you know, what makes your soul sing? What brings you joy? Mm. You know, we're, we're, was that the dog up here? <laughs> he, he liked that answer. <laughs> we like you know that. what you know. To, you know, you know. We have in a lot of work. They talk about uh, looking at checking in with you know from a perspective what we call pies, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. So to me, I look at the spiritual. What makes my soul sing? What makes me feel alive? And it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, if you're a janitor, if you're anybody in between, not to belittle janitors and not to elevate doctors, but you could be a professional, you could be a laborer, you could be uh, rich, you can be poor. What makes your soul sing? Because you can incorporate that anywhere you are. You know, for me, being a doctor, it's some tough times to be a doctor with a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. Insurance is not paying for medications. There's so much that I could go in every day and grumble about it. And, and, and I did. And I did. It made it very difficult going to work every day because I have all these you know, lofty spiritual ideals. And that's the type of life I want to live. And that's the type of work I want to do. And a piece of uh, healing that I had over the summer is what led me to come up and, and discern this new mission that I talked about. And when I realized that, that the action for me is just to connect to my own light and flow with spirit in, in a way that, that is connecting with my light, I can do that when I walk into a, an, into a room with a patient. I can do that on the street if I meet somebody, if someone, you know, hold the door open for somebody, uh, grab a bag for someone that's falling, pick something up, or just smile. It's an amazing thing that I can live in, live my mission wherever I am. And that's why it's so important. So what makes your soul sing? First step. And whatever it is, do it. If you can't do it at work, do it at home. You love to dance. You don't need to go to a dance club. Okay, I grew up in disco. You don't need to go to a disco. <laughs> you, uh, you don't need to take a class and you don't need to do ballet. 
you just put on some music and move, dance. And it doesn't, need to, be, it doesn't need to be your profession either. Just no. shows you up if, 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 you're, if you are, you know, you're, you're toiling, you're labor, you're working in a coal mine. <laughs> but Absolutely. Time, you, you could dance you or could, dance your way in or whatever. You could, you could still be dancing. Dancing is not always about moving your body. Dancing is, you know, smiling. I'm like, God, what a magic it is to greet somebody with a smile. You know, that, that's, that's getting into gold, you know. If I were divine, how would I, you know, and if I had this divine light shining from me, how would I be living my life in a way that's joyful, in a way that's what brings meaning? To me, meaning is I got to take care of myself and be of service to others at the same time. And there's a balance in that. I can't take care of you and, and be of service to you only and never take care of myself because then I'm a martyr. And if I only take care of myself, I'm a thief. And I'm stealing energy from other people or a vampire. Right. So there has to be a balance. Um, the uh, the Keshwa, the in, the um, Karo Indians in Peru talk about this concept of Aini, A-Y-N-I, which is balance. So I have to be in balance. So if I if I figure out how do I stay in balance, how do I take care of myself and be of service, what makes my soul sing when I do it? then I think, I think that you're on the road to discovering part of a mission, part of your soul's purpose. You know, if you think about it, why am I here on this planet? That's another word for, for mission. You know, why am I here? Now, do you and ever come can, across men that just say that they, nothing makes their soul sing? Yeah, yeah, people do that. And I feel sad for them. I feel sad for them because they're so locked into the societal um um called matrix so uh, that's a term used by uh, uh an inside quest I'm, I'm i'm blanking on the guy's name but it's a great podcast um he talks about his goals to lift people out of the matrix so i love that quote um so we so get locked into this matrix of what society tells us that, that life is supposed to be like we can't imagine anything outside of this box of wake up eat go to work, come home, watch TV, eat dinner, repeat, sleep and repeat. There is nothing else. And when I do that, there, how could there be a mission? My mission is just to stay alive and work every day and, and not too many happy people that way. Yeah. It's, it's like buying into an illusion, but you're not buying into the illusion. You're investing in the illusion. Uh, yep, yep. Because if I say that this is wrong, this is an illusion, then I've invested all my time up until this point in it, then what does that say about me? My ego structure doesn't want to break apart from it because it's safe. Mm -hmm. And that's another concept. It's safe to stay locked into the illusion of this is my life. Because anytime I'm comfortable, I'm not going to grow. I have to be willing to be, to, to be uncomfortable. I have to step into my discomfort to grow. Yeah. Now, if I step too far, I end up into panic and that doesn't serve me either. So it's like concentric circle. The small circle is comfort. Next circle is um, discomfort. And then you have the bigger circle, which is panic. I have to sit in there. And the other thing is I can't be an ascensionist and just say, oh, life is la-di-da, om shanti shanti om, it's just so beautiful, I love you, you love me. 
because then I'm, I'm rising until something stresses me and then my life is like a house of cards. Yeah. I have to be willing to dive into the manure pile of my life. I have to be willing to look at my wounds. I have to be looking at the, the parts of myself that are on the ugly, smelly side mm-hmm. because that's when I heal. And when I heal those, the lower I dive, the deeper I dive into manure of my life, the higher I can build my house, my foundation, and it can't be rock. It can't be shaken because I've done my healing work. When it comes up, I can say, oh, I faced this before. And yeah, it hurts. And maybe I'll, I'll fall down my mountain a little bit or it rumbles a little bit, but my mountain is steady. I'm grounded in it. So discomfort, climb into the, the manure of your life and do it with people who know how to help you and guide you on that. For men, the Mankind Project, that was so freaking awesome for my life it was a turning point in my relationship with my wife and my kids um on the women's side our sister organization is called womanwithin.org and so you want to make sure it's womanwithin.org womanwithin.com is a women's plus size clothing site it's not going to help you too much (laughs) with personal growth Oh, hey, it may look stylish. Great. You, know? you might. It'd be great. But first well, personal growth on the yeah, you want to go into .org. <laughs> and, 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 and just like the Mankind Project, they're all volunteers. All the staff, except again for leadership, pays to be there. And why do they do that? Because they want to be there. They want to be of service to others. And to me, that is the ultimate healing and growth. Ultimate feeling alive is when... I see you guys come in on a Friday night and I see you leave on a Sunday and I say, wow, I did something really important. And uh, that's the awesome part about life. To me, that's, 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 that's a good life. Cool. Yeah, one thing I just want to point out for the notion of someone staying where they're comfortable and staying where you're comfortable doesn't necessarily mean it feels good, right? If, if you're caught in that trap of birth, school, work, death, that's all there is, um, no, you, you got to like experiment more and discover and try more things to discover. Oh, this, wow, these things do make my soul sing. I just haven't been allowing myself to right. do them. Mm-hmm. So for a while, my comfort zone was, you know, depression and suicidal thoughts. That, that was my reality. And that's what life was. And life does just, life sucks. That's the truth. And, you know, om shanti shanti you're all idiots and lying to yourselves and come look at the reality right. of how shitty things are. Yeah, and pick a finger yeah, in the process. Exactly. <laughs> and there's no way being in a state that you were in could you ever climb out of it until you're willing to go deep. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the other thing about it is, yeah, you can be in pain, but there's a risk to getting what you want. And you may not know what that risk is. And, and, and for most people, the risk of trying to get what they want from an unconscious level is so great that they're willing to stay where they are because they know it. Now they're getting, they may end up in the same place, but they're not willing to take the risk. You know, I once had a man tell me that he didn't want to do the weekend because he knows, he knows what his shit looks like, smells like, and feels like. <laughs> and he was comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, he, he couldn't take the risk to step into fear and discomfort and possibly grow from it. And that to me is one of the saddest things is when a man or a woman, when a person is not willing to take the risk to be a little uncomfortable and maybe heal some part of themselves, heal their, 
that part of their soul that's missing so yeah. they can be more whole. You know what? I had a choice. I can always go back to the way I was before, right? Can I can you always really? do that. It's a choice. Yeah. You can become a, ra a raging, a raging madman again. You know, when I get set off, I wouldn't want to. But I could always look through the door, step through the door, and say, you know what? I'm going to go back to the old way because it was better. I would never do it. Yeah. I would never do it. Not like that. But it's a choice. It's a choice that I made. I took a risk, and the risk paid off. Yeah. And, and sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes you go back, and sometimes you take a risk, and you get slammed. You know, it's quite possible you take a risk with someone you trust, and, mm -hmm. and they weren't up to the task. You know, you can, it's possible to go to workshops. Look what happened, you know, with that, that guy who was involved in the book, The Secret. I mean, they did a sweat lodge and they put plastic wrap around the lodge and people got sick. Yeah, James Arthur Ray, yes. Yeah, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's always a risk that, that something could happen. However, if I trust the people involved and I'm asking for help and I trust my instinct that, yeah, I don't feel comfortable but I'm safe, then, then the potential is for growth and for healing is so, so amazing that it's, to me, it's always worth the risk and it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And that, that takes your own trial and error and experience to discover for each individual, each of us, that the, the risk is worth taking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Until you do it, me, it's just, you don't believe it. Um, let's see, I started on my journey when I was about 31, I said, I did a new warrior training. I was 47 and a half. And, uh, and uh, it, I wish to God I had learned about it sooner. And I don't know if I could have heard the message sooner. Yeah. If I could have yeah. done it sooner. Um, I was too busy blaming everybody else for my <laughs> issues and problems. And when I stopped blaming other people for my problems, that's when all of a sudden my relationships start getting better. Because now when I see something in you and I'm about to say, man, why'd you do that? You know, you're making me angry. You're making me feel bad. And now I can say, no, I'm making myself feel bad. I'm making myself angry. Or if I looked at my kids and I said, you're making me angry. My wife always says, no, you're choosing to get angry. They're not making you angry. And so it's a good reminder uh, about that. So, uh, Wherever you're at, you know, take a risk and, and uh, stop blaming other people and take ownership for your own life. Be powerful in that. And that's how you discover your soul's journey. And, and, and do what lights you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you don't know what that is, do more stuff. <laughs> like, get out there and try more things. Like, keep failing Absolutely. until you find out what you delight. Yeah, throw, you'll, throw it up shit all, see what sticks. You, know? you only fail at life when you give up. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. So, so until, Michael, until the time uh, at 31, were you in a state of, I don't know, miser miserableness or just you just thought you were living life as good as it could be? Like, what, what happened? What, or was, was there an event or just synchronicities brought you to different programs or? Um, you know, there's, hold on a second. I hit a button on my phone here. There we go. Um, don't call anyone else. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just hitting something on, on the screen and then I got, it's too small for me to pay attention to. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I was miserable, but there was a lot of fear and then a lot of anger and rage 
in me. Um, I didn't know how to express my grief. That's still a challenge for me to express tears. I'm, you know, when I see somebody cry and they tell me, I'm sorry, I'm crying. I'm saying, no, please don't. It's like, it's such a gift that you can cry. I wish I could do that with that ease too. So I had the pain, I had the grief inside of me and I didn't even know it. So yeah, I, I mean, I was happy I and mean, I was working. I was, and I was doing all these things, but I was getting angry at every little things which just kept triggering me. I mean, trivial things that, that's even hard to remember getting angry about a year ago or even two weeks later, you know, you know, I got angry at that. I don't even remember it, but, but it was killing me. I mean, it put me in the hospital. I had a heart attack when I was 48 years old and, and my, my cholesterol wasn't that high. And I think it was the stress. And, 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 and so this is a poison. It's a real poison, uh, ang rage. You know, it's okay to be angry, but rage is a poison. Not being able to express your grief and holding it inside, it's a poison. Um, and, and, and so I knew I needed something. And I started, you know, like as I said, when I, I took martial arts, I took Reiki, I started going on spiritual retreats. And they were great but it wasn't enough to crack the nut until I did the new warrior training adventure. That was, I needed the, the sharp sword of a loving man to help cut me open. And, and, and so that I could, uh, so I could start my healing process and, and finally own that I had the power to own my own shit. Mm -hmm. When I own it, then I could take a look at it and heal it. And so that it's been a journey and a lot of journey of denial for me over all these years, you know, I'm learning to be the spiritual healer, the spiritual teacher, a minister, but I wasn't doing my own work. So I was building one of those house of cards. You know, I, I didn't have any authority. I, I can't have an authority to advise you if I haven't done it myself. So, so, so this is what gives me more authority to at least put myself out there is that I'm willing to dive into my own manure pile. So yeah, it's been a tough journey. It's been a tough one. And uh, would you want it any other way? Uh, I would have wanted to have learned this a lot early in life. <laughs> yeah, 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 I would have. I would have wanted to learn this a lot early in life. You know, before I had kids, it would have been a really good thing. <laughs> and and so, uh, and I'm happy where I'm at. So I'm good here now too. Good. Yeah. And 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 that's uh, if if you're happy where you are, then the journey was perfect. Yeah, because <laughs> it's what got you here to today. So, well, like I said, the only regret I have is not not healing sooner because just because this harm that I've done to other people, yeah. you know, this karma I got to work off and, and stuff like that. Uh, just getting angry, anger is poison, man. Mm -hmm. To rage at other people like that and not be willing to own that 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 I could I that that was my fault. So, uh, so yeah, it's a regret. And uh, it's something I'm working on forgiving myself for so that I can keep moving forward. And that's important too, I think, for anyone out there who looks back and says, wow, I did some real shitty things in life. Forgive yourself first, man. You did the best you could with what you had. We've all been wounded in life. Uh, nobody gets through childhood unwounded. You know, someone once told me, if our parents don't wound us, we'll find a way to wound ourselves. That's we, the truth. Yeah, you know, 
we need we need um, we need those wounds. Those wounds sort of define who we're going to be as adults. They define our mission. Um, perhaps if you believe in the belief that we choose our parents and we choose our family before incarnating, because we need we need the wounds. We need whatever gifts they're going to give us, both the positive and the unpleasant, to define our life. Or it just all happens at random, whatever. The point is, any point in my life, I did the best I could with what I had available. So I got to look back in life and say, I forgive you, Michael, for hurting those people or hurting my, yourself, hurting myself. And where am I today? All right, now it's uh, Tuesday night, November 29th, I think, 2016. What am I going to do tonight? What am I going to do tomorrow? And own that I have the power to do that by seeking help and by helping others. And then we get back to you, Apio. You're joyful. You, you create joy in your life because every day you can get up and say, thank you. I'm awake to live another day. Indeed. Awesome. Awesome. Indeed. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. I want to thank you so much for being part of the Mankind Project. Thank you so much for uh, leading me, leading my, leading me through my <laughs> journey, helping just me to discover some of my mission and do a lot of healing. And uh, I forever am grateful to to running into you, Mr. Bilkis. <laughs> thank you. I am Bilkis. <laughs> uh, Andy, I have to say that that, that I, I don't remember many men's processes by the end of the end of the weekend because I almost forget immediately. I remembered yours so distinctly. It was uh to watch what you how you spoke about it on on the, the previous um show so touched my heart. That's why I reached out to you and said, Hey, do you remember me? Um it was really powerful. It's why I do this stuff. And, um, you know, for, for, for men out there who think, Hey, I need some help. Check us, check out the mankind project for guys who say my life is great. Could it be even better? Check out the mankind project. And if you are so great and so wonderful and a great leader, then we freaking need you to help mentor and lead other men. So we need you to come and join us because we don't want, to be an organization of wounded men, we want to be an organization of leaders to make this world a better world. Yeah. And that's the mission of the Mankind Project is to create a safer world by growing better men, sure, and by sure. accepting our responsibility as men. So check us out, mankindproject.org, uh, women, women, woman, womanwithin.org, and, uh, and take a step to say yes to life. Awesome, awesome. Um, Beautiful way to, to bring this to a close. So I uh, thank you for your time and for that fantastic summation. Um, I want to thank you again, Apio, for being here as always. Always and, a joy. And I do, Michael, I want to show you saw this, that um, Laurie in the chat says that uh, it is your gift now, Michael, because you can empathize with others. Oh, thank you very much. I saw you wrote something and that's what I was trying to read, <laughs> but <laughs> I couldn't read it on the screen and I couldn't find the right buttons to push. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I've been watching your smile, Lori, uh, as we've been doing this. And uh, what a beautiful smile. So thanks for coming and joining us tonight. Awesome. So join us live next week, uh, next Tuesday, December 6th, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live again for another episode of Real Men Feel. We're going to be joined by medicine woman and messenger mentor, Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. 
Um, she was formerly known as Amethyst Wildfire, so you may have know her by that name, but her name is recently changed. Um, but she'll be talking about the ways that we all ward off our own wealth. That means money. So it's a show about money. That's always going to be good, right? Uh, realmenfeel.org slash show. We'll get you there for the live program. Realmenfeel.org is the place to go for everything else in the world of men who are feeling. And, uh, and especially, yeah, I can't recommend enough uh, the Mankind Project. I, I feel like they're going to be mentioned every other show going forward for eternity. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and once I go through my new warrior training, <laughs> we're going to start it all over again. Yeah. Cool. So uh, once again, thank you, Michael. Thanks, Apio. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you again. Good night, guys. Good night. Thanks again.